Hello and welcome to the new season of Stoppage Time, the CFA podcast. To kick off season four, we are joined by members of Fulham Foundation, the charity arm of Fulham FC. Today we are joined by our CEO, Mike McSweeney, Disability, Event- Disability Development Officer, Katie Shepherd, and Health Development Officer, Laura Everton. Tell us more about their fantastic work in the community. Thanks to the three of you for joining us on Stoppage Time. So first of all, we'll crack on with Mike. Um, and for those that don't know who are listening right now and don't know much about Fulham, um, Fulham Foundation, can you tell us a little bit more about your work? Of course. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, great uh, for you to join us. And hopefully you'll uh, you'll learn a lot about us in the next uh, 25 minutes or half an hour or so. So the Fulham Foundation, uh, we are the official charity uh, of the football club. And we engage up to 12,000 participants a year, uh, age range from three to 93. So we cover a a very wide spectrum. We run over 25 programmes under eight core themes. Uh, Included in those themes are disability. Uh, The A is a capital A because we focus on ability, football and sports participation, health and wellbeing, women and girls and youth and community. And Laura and Katie will uh, will bring to light some of some of this work uh, shortly. We were formed in 2002 with the aim of building better lives through sports, and we became a registered charity in 2005. Our vision is to create a healthy, inclusive and thriving community. Thank you. That's right, Mike. And, and now we're moving on to, to Laura. We've heard, um, heard about your sessions, some of your fantastic health and wellbeing sessions that you've, that you've been running during COVID. Can you tell us a bit more about those? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, So we run our health and wellbeing programme and it's all about promoting healthy healthy lifestyles, healthy living um, and supporting people to essentially lead physically and mentally healthy lives. Um, As as Mike mentioned there, we work with quite a a, a big age range of people um, and more specifically our health and wellbeing programme. We tend to work with um, people who are suffering mental health challenges, Um, older maybe socially isolated adults uh, and people who are suffering from different long-term health conditions um, that maybe just need to be a bit more physically active to ensure that they're sort of keeping up with their physio routines different bits and pieces that they're doing with the hospitals and things like that so we tend to work quite closely with our NHS partners to achieve some of those things make sure that we're doing all the right stuff that our participants need from us so more specifically we run um we run a few different programs within our health and well-being uh, work. Um, we run something called Fuller Memories that specifically targets older, socially isolated adults, potentially adults with dementia. Uh, and we focus on things like reminiscence activities, a bit of light physical activity, uh, a lot of sort of early prevention stuff with that one. Um, we also do walking football, which is, I'm sure everybody can understand what that is from what it says on the tin um and that's one of our biggest programs and we we love it um we also our most recent uh, addition to our health and well-being program is called more than a game and that is our mental health targeted work which is really going to be growing over the next couple of years and uh, we've started off with some mental health football sessions which are targeted to support people who are sort of struggling with coping with their mental well-being um, maybe need just something an activity that will support them to feel more comfortable with managing their day-to-day life um, and just softly introduce some of those different coping strategies and stuff like that so you know if anyone listening knows of anybody that would benefit from that sort of activity then you can get in touch with with myself at health at and you know 
we're quite open to trying to work with as many people as possible who who will just benefit from the work that we're doing on on this program really so you know we do quite a range of stuff uh it's a bit of a variety package it sounds like some fantastic sessions and i'm sure there's a lot of people that both listening and already doing the sessions that um, really benefit from those so it sounds like some fantastic work um katie moving on to the disability program um, so I know you've recently launched a new program in partnership with the FA for young footballers with disabilities. Can you tell us more about what that might consist of? Yeah, so we have recently launched the uh, Fulham FC Foundation Para Talent Hub. Um, so the Para Talent Hub is to kind of provide a clear pathway for those that um, obviously potentially want to transition into that England para football pathway. Um, so it's both males and females. Uh, the target age currently is 7 to 16 years old. Um, and it's for those with cerebral palsy, visual impairments or hearing impairments um, and obviously an ambition to play for their country. The aim is to kind of try and find players that may be almost hidden in mainstream as well, because some of those disabilities don't necessarily mean that they are not able to play mainstream football. Um, but it's just given them their kind of their chance to individually develop and progress to the next phase that they can do. Um, so the, you've got the regional emerging talent pathway is the next step from from us. Then you've got the national emerging talent pathway, um, which is kind of the next step before going into kind of like the England actual England teams. Um, we've got one really great example at the moment of um, one of our young ladies who joined the program recently. Um, she is a young lady called Lily. That's been she's fourteen. Been with us for a few weeks since the start of the Para Talent Hub at the beginning of uh, well end of May, beginning of July. She's been playing mainstream football all her life. Uh, she has a hearing impairment. And next month, she will be going to have her trial for the National Emerging Talent Pathway. Um, she's actually kind of skipped regionals and gone straight for the nationals um, because she's so she's so good. She's got a great attitude. She's she's come to training every week. She's never missed a session, turns up, works hard, just has that right kind of desire to be the next kind of, I suppose, England lady <laughs> um but yeah she she gained the intention of the the england coaches they came down to a session and, and watched um and then obviously we were able to invite her in for a trial for the the nationals so yeah again like laura said as well i'm sure there are people out there listening that maybe coaches of grassroots teams um maybe parents of, of young people that might suit this program um and if they you know if they want to get in touch um please do because yeah we want to we want to help people get on that pathway if we can that sounds fantastic and definitely a name to look out for for the future um, of, of this piece of football. Um, where are those sessions based and where can people find them? Uh, so they're based at the, currently in the Mottsburg Park area. Um, and if they want to get in touch, if they want any information, best thing to do is probably drop me an email. Um, so kshepherd at fulhamfc.com and then they can just get in touch that way. Sounds great. That's really I hopefully get a few people from from this from this podcast. Um, both for now, Laura and Katie, both of you. So, how do how do you both work together as obviously different programs supporting each other and how how does that benefit participants obviously from both disability and also mental health because obviously mental health can affect everyone and health and well-being can affect everyone so how do how do you work together um to form form those benefits yeah it's a good question i think there are lots of ways that our programs kind of intertwine in terms of like the messaging that we put across and you know what we're trying to achieve is relatively similar for for both groups of people but i suppose one of the more recent things that's been 
really beneficial for us is uh, a coach who's predominantly a health and wellbeing foundation coach um, called Sophie. She tends to work on both programs, which Katie can go into a bit more detail about how Sophie works on her program. But, you know, having that familiar face at a session is is really helpful for people who are transitioning or, you know, family members joining different sessions. It, it just helps to to bind the messaging that little bit more when you've got a familiar face. Um, you know, Sophie started working on disability during lockdown, didn't she, Katie? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, so, yeah, Sophie started on our online sessions. And then as we went back to face to face activities, she started obviously coming along to those sessions and is now quite a big part of you know our disability program as well, in the sense that she's at two or three sessions a week. Um, and like Laura said, there's that kind of the, the, the familiar face, the happy, smiley face that they see and for the parents and the participants. For example, we've got a parent that joined um, the walking football session and then found out that her child actually could come and join our Down syndrome football. So he's now joining that. Um, and then the other way we've had one of our pan disability participants was joining regular sessions and his dad has now taken part in some of ad uh, Laura's adult health um, sessions as well. So there's definitely that transition and there's those familiar faces that, you know, it works really well because it, like you say, it benefits both the participants and their parents that then can become a participant. Is that what you'd say then, is, what would you recommend that would be that one tip that you'd give to anyone that is running disability sessions or running different different sessions to have that, those familiar faces there so they, they really know who they're, who, they're, who they're working with and talking to? Yeah, definitely. I think in, in the world we work in with young people like that, that have um, additional needs, uh, it is a lot better for them to have consistency, the friendly faces, the people that they know. Um, they feel more comfortable when they're arriving at a session because they know what to expect because the right people are there. Whereas obviously if there's already changes before a session starts, then you're kind of setting them off on the wrong foot straight away. So, yeah, it's definitely been a massive thing for us to kind of link those coaches together and you know like having that building that rapport and having the long-term relationship as well that those coaches will build with those participants when you're trying to support people in changing their lifestyle habits that's so key into ensuring that message stays as a long-term thing it isn't just a one-off um I've met this one coach this week and it's a new person next week it's solidifying those messages um that we try and promote in everything that we do no, definitely. And I think that's really, really important. And it's a great, it's a great way of um, of keep people within the game. And I think it, it definitely really helps, especially within the, the game that, that you're talking about right here. Um, is there any upcoming sessions or anything in the future that we've got plans that people can look forward to, maybe? I think there's just lots of things getting back slowly to normality now, really. Just, yeah, if, if anyone wants to get involved in anything, just get in touch. Yeah, Brilliant. I think that's... That's the thing, isn't it? There's just there's always something going on with us. There's never a break. Um, we often get there. I hope you have a lovely summer from the schools and hope it's restful. We have all of our activities going on over the summer um, and for everyone to get involved with and like health and wellbeing work doesn't really stop. Katie's got loads of bits and pieces going on as well. So, you know, it's all ongoing for us. <laughs> I can imagine exactly this is that same thing for us. I can totally, totally understand that. It's 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 all all guns blazing for twelve months of the year. Um so finally, thank you for for for, for that, Laura and Katie. It's been fantastic to hear about um about that work. And finally, last question for, for Mike. Um what has been 
the main lessons you've learned as an organization in the last 18 months obviously through covid i don't think we can go through a podcast without having a covid question um but what's been the main lessons that you'd say from the foundation have learned yeah goodness me i think this is a this is a podcast in itself i think um but i, I think first and foremost for, for me leading the foundation through um such a challenging time initially it was about protecting the organization uh, so we have a three-year strategy it, it was put on hold pretty quickly and we came up with a protect prepare play plan uh, and as laura and katie mentioned we are now fully into the the play part of that plan uh, and what i would say to both of them is that you know we are getting back up and running um we are getting back to where we were pre-pandemic but actually we're, we're going back better than we were because we've learned so much about our participants, our own expertise, the stories and case studies that you've heard today have actually come out of what has happened over the last year about how we've engaged our participants. I'm not sure we'd have those examples pre-pandemic. So what, one of the big things that's come out of it is our ability to still foster brilliant relationships with our partners and with our participants so that we are now back and we are going to be better and we can do more of what we want to do about you know supporting our community so our ability to to be agile to adapt and focus on our participants has been a real real positive uh, like lots of organizations we, we adapted to an online model pretty quickly and we were doing online sessions uh, you know six seven days a week so that hybrid way of working as we're still doing from home and in the office now could be something we we take forward uh, but I think that the biggest learning and the biggest thing that, that we went through was actually um, how we approached our role during the pandemic. Uh, we knew we could positively impact the community. We knew we could do things that would have a big impact. And actually, looking back now, I feel very grateful that we've had the opportunity to do something at a time when people needed it. And, and a good example is uh, the first time we we um, were really aware of the pandemic was the you know, 13th of March 2020, Fulham played Brentford or due to play Brentford on that Friday. The the game was called off at lunchtime and we had a call from the caterers at the ground that we had 3,000 meals that are going to go to waste that afternoon. And instantly we had a plan that by five o'clock that day, all that, that food had been distributed to people in the community that needed it. So what have we learned? Well, we've learned that we can adapt, we can be agile, we can repurpose um, our our vision and our mission to support our community and we can do things really really well and develop brilliant relationships despite the challenges that the one thing that we had to be really mindful of and, and something I had to be very cautious of was taking us out of scope a little bit too much and, and Laura led on a uh, an outcalling campaign um, to our season ticket holders to vulnerable adults in the community and we made well over a thousand calls to vulnerable members um, of those communities and at points you know we're not social workers we're not the NHS we had to make sure that we had a, a good partner network in place to ensure that our staff were supported for potentially very difficult conversations with people that were well outside of our scope so um, overall I, I reflect and, and go we've learned a huge amount which will allow us to come back even better even stronger and do more that focuses on um, on our participants. Uh, but I could give you some other stories that would be a whole podcast in itself. So maybe we uh, we do that as episode two. 
Sounds fantastic. And definitely, I think you're right, Mike, we've, we've had the same, sorry, if I, you've let you learned so much and obviously it's been an incredibly tough year, but I think we've had that time to really strip everything back and, and actually make it a lot better. Um, so although it's been incredibly tough, I think it's actually benefited the community um, that we both work in. So, um, and that's fantastic to hear about those stories and hopefully there'll be even more of those. And I think everyone's just eager to get back on the pitch if they haven't done so already. And, um, yeah, hopefully more and more people with the Euros and obviously with the Olympics now, hopefully more and more people get involved and um and want to and, and inspired by playing football and getting involved in football, not just playing. But um so yeah, the future's bright, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. But thank you for thank you so three of you for, for being on the podcast and joining us. It's um it's been a great way to kick off season four and um I've been great to hear about your work and um and and hear about our partnership too. Um so thank you very much for, for joining and look forward to speaking to you all soon.